Welcome to this week's The Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stecken here alongside my good friend and co-host Travis Krins. Travis, how are we? We're great. It's cloudy, it's rainy, yes. we got baseball, so everything's good to go. Yes, lots of rain this week. It's very nice. Uh, gotta get the yard all nice and green, or as green as it can be, but uh, wash away all the dirt and uh, shit from the from the winter, so that's very good. Um we have a we have a fairly decent amount to get to here, but first things first. You're not a fan of one shining moment. No, let's get it out. We gotta get it out there. And I I, I understand to a degree. It's it's more yeah. it's far more sentimental for me. I mean, yes. you got the the highlights. It's just it's the music. I think that goes with it so well. Um, I feel the opposite. I think the music doesn't go with it at all. Well, what what would you think? What what would be a better song for the highlights? I don't know. I mean, it, the, the ball goes up and all that stuff, and it's like uh, 19, I think. I mean, it was written in 86. Yep. It sounds like a song from the 80s, yep. does it not? Yes. Um, it's a very light, I don't even call it pop, a very light, jazzy type. Mm-hmm. You'd hear it on, you know, today's best, uh, today's, best of the I don't 80s. even know what the hell you call it. Sure. Um, Today's lightest hits, I guess. <laughs> um, like a light song, very, yeah, like inspirational type, go get them, give them the best. I, it's like, okay. And people love this thing every year. Oh, it's the best mm-hmm. thing all year. And I've I've always looked at them like this. Like, I didn't watch this year's. I don't care to watch because it's, like, I, I, I know what happened in the tournament. So, and I just don't. I don't understand why people love it so much. It's like, to me, like this isn't even good. It's it's like, the song. The song is horrendous. Well, okay, so I, that would be my homework assignment for you. Then is what supplant it with the song that you think would be better. Remember, like a, this was probably seven years ago or something when Jennifer Hudson. Um, yeah, it was. Sang, it was the same song, and she was, sang it. And like, all right, it was whatever. Terrible. And everyone hated it. Like, what the hell is this? Why are you changing it? Why are you messing with a good thing here? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Get Luther back on there. Luther Vandross does it very good. I mean, why? it was terrible. Jennifer Hudson just was awful at this song. Like, it just lost every, like, real meaning to it. It's just... For me, it's tradition. There's meaning behind the words. Like it matches with with the songs, you know, or, or with the with the. I'm sure. I'm sure. It starts every year with the with the tip of the ball. The ball yep. goes up. Yep, and you yeah, have you know and, and in the, the, the beating, so. you know, you yeah. know, the moment's gone, and you know when it's done, win or lose, you always did your best because inside you knew. That in one shining moment, like every one of these 68 teams has a one shining moment, and it's fleeting for the 16 seeds and the 15 seeds like three minutes in, uh, apart from Oral Roberts this year. It's it's just, they started with it, and it's just got this big meaning now, and if it's, like I said, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So I like it more because of it, because it, it's tradition. I'm very much a traditionalist in that way. I like stuff to be there. And I, I tweeted this at you there. I think yeah. that I feel the same way about Seinfeld that you do about One Shiny Moment, which is fine. It One Shiny Moment has its particular audience, uh, and we enjoy it just because of the, the meaning, the tradition behind it. The just the, the, the It meshes well with the highlights, at least for us. 
And for you, Seinfeld is great because it's funny for some reason, and I just can't. I can't see it. I can't. I can't see the comedy. I can't. I don't laugh at all at this. So I think it's just. It's just a, a different audience. It, this one shining moment is uh, to you what Seinfeld is to me. That's what I was thinking, and then you pointed out. I'm like, yep, we're we're on the same page here. Yep. It's I guess tradition and all that. I don't think the song's any good. The song is a cheesy type song. Mm-hmm. Like, would you ever like if they played this during the, the during the beginning of the game or in the pregame of the Final Four? Like, it just doesn't fit. Right. Like, it doesn't get me excited. It doesn't get me excited about the game. It doesn't get me. Man, how great was this tournament? What's this or this that song like- from 1986 that sounds like a jazz, whatever? Oh, what would be a better song would be the NBA and NBC. Well, you play that song yeah. over and over. They have some highlights. But I'm getting pumped up. Well, that's yeah, my but you have a, I mean, that's, it that's, should be. There's no words to that. Should be John on the damn piano. That's well, where it should be. I mean, it, yes. I mean, you could play that any time, and it's fine. But there's no words behind it. So, uh, Travis, I like this song so much. I might want it played at my funeral. Because it's just, Jesus Christ. it's the, the meaning, goes down. It's the meaning of life. The the ball is tipped, like, there you are. Oh, hey, geez. you know what? You're you're born, you know, and then you just kind of go through life, and you have moments that's gone. You have these multiple one-shining moments in your life that you can get behind in the meaning. And you know what? Win or lose, sometimes, you know, it's eventually going to end at some point. And you just got to remember the good times, these one-shining moments that you have throughout your life so for me i perhaps put a deeper meaning into it than what its original intent was or what it should even be intended as um is there another thing you could compare this to or another at the end of the season they put together a highlight package or whatever like is there any other song that's like this or other sport really does it like it's not at the end of the masters this week we're gonna have the masters montage or highlights with a song Right. behind it and if they do it's just going to be the masters on cbs songs so yeah. well, like what other and that's why i was I, just I, thinking of like you know the the um like jim nance and stuff after you know whoever the winner gets the green jacket put on him and jim nance goes into uh you know his soliloquy about oh you know, he rose you know through four rounds and you have the music playing in the background and then jim nance says <laughs> Uh, Dustin Johnson, Tiger Woods, you know, Masters champion. Well, that, at least that music fits what the atmosphere of a golf tournament is. You listen yeah. to that music, and you're like, all right, that fits into within uh, within a golf tournament. Like, if you were to take this song, not exactly the same song, but a mm-hmm. similar song, and play it, like, in an arena during a timeout, like, that's not a song you would hear during a timeout in the middle of a game. A, a, a different song, but the same genre and sound of a song. I have no idea who thought of it. Apparently, it's, it's been a good idea for them for the past 30 years because people love it. But I would have listened to that and says, yeah, that's not going on. That doesn't fit basketball or a sports highlight I am, package. I am open to a changing of a song, but it has to be the exact right fit. So if you can give me some different ones, I would love to listen to it and say, like, okay... This I could see work well with it. I'm open for change in that regard. I'm not open to someone singing it, like singing, like trying to make a different rendition of the original song, Jennifer Hudson. Um, not looking for that. So I, I guess I will be open to a potential new song, but 
You, I, you don't need a song with words. You need some sort of background noise, just a light whatever, and you have the the announcers, whatever the announcer sure. said during these moments. That's what you play. I'm fi- over I'd be these. fine with that. I I would be fine with that. And they do play some announcers. Uh, you know, like a, over there. You know, expect the unexpected. I believe Lisa Byington had that line this year. Um, uh, it's or maybe and uh, you know like Ian Eagle had March. It, it, it's March. Expect the unexpected. Something like that. Um, so I mean, they I remember, that. what what comes to mind for me. I remember the last basketball game, last NBA game on NBC. It was it was the Nets and the Lakers final. Okay. Uh, 2003, I think, uh, the Nets were swept. Yep. And at the end of it, you know, all right, we're done with our coverage here of the NBA on NBC after 12, 13 years, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and Bob Costas is there, and then he throws it to a highlight package of, you know, Michael Jordan and the Lakers and whoever else over the past uh, dozen years of the NBA on NBC. And I, I, I seem to remember that was, that was well done. That was a well done montage and highlights and there wasn't there was a song in the background mm-hmm. i thought it fit well of a kind of recapping a, a decade of sports and trying to fit that into you know a three four minute thing mm-hmm. and it didn't have any words it, it was music and it had uh highlights and uh, the announcers kind of what their calls were on some of these highlights so i would be i got i don't think you need a a song with any words you just need you like something and think the the whole package of self um, selfish sure is good with the highlights and the buzzer beaters and the overtimes and mm-hmm. the great shots and all that. So that's good, but for me the music ruins that whole whole thing. I thought of an example here because you just mentioned the NBA on NBC when mm-hmm. NBC does the Olympics at the end and they are going through mm-hmm. the credits. Uh, they play what I would say is one of like the main theme songs to remember the Titans. Um, I think John Williams has done it for like an NBC. It's like an NBC Olympic theme song, but that is uh, there's no no singing. It's just Lord. instrumental music, but it's very good. It's it, it matches well with uh, you know like the beginning. It's kind of soft and um, uh, they they show like the the scene the scenery around the the the, the country that they're that the Olympics are in, and then. Uh, once they start showing highlights, then the music starts getting you know faster. I, I think it. I'll, I'll I'll find the uh the the song here. Um, I would say like they, they never play that song other than at the end of the tournament. So if it was a song that I would I like associate with the tournament or a song they would play during the tournament at some point, mm-hmm. some music like that Olympic music you might associate with the Olympics or. The uh, the masters music you would uh, I mean when you see those and hear those commercials you know exactly what it is because that song and that those sounds and that music is associated with the masters or when you hear the Olympic theme you under you recognize oh yeah that's the Olympics well don't you think when you hear one shining moment you immediately think of March Madness yes but then they don't play it anytime else though like when they start the broadcast where they sure. start the broadcast with. Uh, on the Olympics, they started with that song. Yep. Uh, with the Masters, where they start the broadcast with that song. When you watch the NFL on whatever channel, what is it? There's a certain song on NBC, CBS, Fox, whatever it is. You know, 
dun, 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 that's Fox. Mm-hmm. When they started with that, you reckon, all right, this is a Fox game. Uh, with CBS, they've got their own theme music, and that's very good. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it's this completely weird, terrible song, I think, and everybody loves it. Yeah, again, it's, it's it caters to a very specific audience, uh, for sure. Here's, I'm going to try and feel it. So let me know if you hear this. You hearing this at all? Hello. Did you hear that at all? That sound? No. Okay. No. no. Um, it's it was the Remember the Titans soundtrack. Uh, I was trying to playing it on my phone. You might not be able to hear it because no. you're through your phone. But um, it you listen back to the podcast, you'll hear that beginning part. But it's that's the the music that's in the um, the Olympics. Yes. Yep. Um. So, very good. Well, you know what? Let me pull it up on the tablet, because then you can hear it. Um, anywho, while I do that here. So, one shiny moment aside, um, obviously disappointed that Gonzaga could not pull it off. And we'll get to their heroics uh, Saturday night in what I would say is the best college basketball game I've ever seen. Um, it, and it has to rank up there with among the all-time yes. greats. Uh, and... Let's just get it out of the way right now. We we're dis- I think we're both of us are disappointed that Gonzaga lost because we hate Baylor. Uh, yeah. We hate Baylor in totality. It's not specifically geared towards the men's program, but given the history, uh, like what happened, you know, a teammate killing another teammate and stuff, and this program being very near uh, like SMU football back in the '80s, right? You know, the like essentially mm-hmm. the death penalty, like. I shouldn't say that's a bad choice of words, but they were going to get axed. Like, it wasn't going to come back at all. And uh, give Scott Drew a huge amount of credit for the, what he's been able to do in changing that that program around and building them into the, the winner that they are today. So, they are, Baylor, very deserving champion. They were stellar. I think they're one of only, like, two or three teams who won it all. I think one of three teams that won it all without a McDonald's All-American. So just being able to to build this team, not always getting these top five-star recruits and whatnot, um, just being able to transform their game and the coaching and, and getting these players to where they need to, it's, it's remarkable. So he deserves a tremendous amount of credit. This was a very tough team, but I thought – that Gonzaga and I, I said it in the blog on Monday, and I thought it uh, you know throughout the day on Sunday that Gonzaga was not going to have the emotional and physical um, stability needed to compete in this game against Baylor because of what that game took out of them against UCLA. And I think if you are playing this game another five times, I think Baylor maybe wins. <laughs> A couple of them. I think it's probably a very evenly split series. Because remember, these are the number one and two preseason teams uh, going into the season. Uh, so it's not like Baylor was a surprise out of nowhere. But just given their dominance in this game, I think if Gonzaga had just beaten UCLA by 10, 15, 20 points or whatever in regulation, I think you see a completely different national championship game. Probably a little closer, but Baylor just from from the opening, man, they dominated this game in every way, mm-hmm. and it was it was almost it was never close, like it was never close. And Gonzaga got within nine in the second half, and that's all the closer they could get. So they never they never even threatened. Um, Baylor just complete domination. It was a, a dud and a turd 
of a game. It was mm-hmm. the complete opposite of what we had on Saturday. Yep. So a lot, a lot of bad people at Baylor. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of good people, but their their women's coach Kim Mulkey is a terrible person by all he accounts. Sure is. Yep. Was it Ken Starr? Is he their president or whoever? He used, uh, he used to be. position he has or had. Yep. I think, I he's think a terrible he's person, right. obviously, and mm-hmm. everything that's gone on there over the past twenty years. Art Bryles, a terrible person. Absolutely. So yep. this, this is a, a a college and athletic program from the top down over the last you know ten, fifteen, twenty years has been as terrible as anybody. Just mm-hmm. treating people right. So yes. yeah, it's it's very unfortunate that they were able to win. Um, so that was that was disappointing that they were able to have success and. Be able to be happy because, yeah, I wish nothing but bad things for everybody associated uh, and, with that school. I don't know why you would want to go to Baylor anyway. Right. So. And, again, that's no slight to, like, Scott Drew because Scott Drew, uh, by all appearances, is not a bad person. And he's done a very remarkable job, a coaching job, with that program. Um, and none of these and, players have anything to do with what what has gone on at Baylor in the past, at least not that we know of. Uh, hopefully that's not the case. So we don't want to take it out on those players, but it's still just Baylor is one of those schools that, at least for us, we love to hate and never want them to succeed. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take much to be a good person. And, I mean, what what that football program did is horrendous. Mm-hmm. And what that women's basketball coach, how she is, she's horrendous. And with their athletic directors and presidents through the decades, the decisions they've done have been not good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we don't like anything with Baylor. Yep. And it's, you know, who knows when he was there, what, he's been there 18 years or so. Yep. Scott Drew, and who knows if he thought, yeah, in 20 years, you know, we're actually going to do this. We're actually going to win a title. Or right. maybe he thought, yeah, I'll, I'll do good here, and then I'll move on to a, an actual job of a team worth a damn. But he mm-hmm. stayed there for you know, almost 20 years, and... And then he's built them up to, to something something else. And they've, he's got they've done what uh, what Gonzaga has been able to do. And Gonzaga's now, they're officially an Atlanta Braves-type situation where it's long past them winning a, a title. This is this is a problem. This is an issue. No, uh, no. For their coach. I mean, they've been good for what? They've been, they've been on the scene now for almost 25 years. They've been there twice. They've been disappointing many many times this is a roy williams not winning at kansas for 20 years and finally getting the monkey off his back this is this is the are you going to win one for once because they couldn't win it this year with no duke uh, no carolina no kentucky no michigan state like when are you going to win it if you can't win it this year then then when is it going to happen because i don't this, this is this is long past due for them to win one it took them long enough just to get to one. Mm-hmm. How many times have they been a one seed? Three, four, five times? Um, I mean, it's, they yeah, were it's... one this year. They were one against SDSU. They've been they've been a top seed a few times. and they, They've been disappointing more than they've been surprising over the past long time. I think, though, I mean, they're still coming out of the West Coast Conference. And it's not, so it's not like this is a power five school. Now, they probably should be viewed as such. Um, but they've but their non conference schedule is as good as anybody and they play right. you know, yeah. Iowa and Virginia and West Virginia and Kansas and they're supposed to play Baylor this year, so their 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 conference is no good, but it's you know, it's it's a two bid league. They get BYU in there and St. Mary's every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So it's a mid major league for sure. Um but 
yeah, they they are a, a power a power team. They're you know, among the top ten teams in the country every year. Right. No, and, and I get that. Here's the um, I'm looking. I don't so I don't have this. Oh, yep. Here are the seedings here. So this is what Mark Few has done. Let's just go back the last decade. Um. So 2011-2012, they were a seven seed. They made it to the round of 32, so they won one game. Uh, 2012-2013, they were a one seed and got upset in the round of 32. So in the second, you can't, round. I mean, you can't be a one seed and lose right yep. in the second round. That is that is unacceptable. Yep. Uh, the following year, they're an eight seed again. Won one game, lost in the second round. Uh, what year is this? This is yeah. They that, lost that was to Wichita State. That was 2013-2014. Yeah, they lost to Wichita State, and then this year they lost to. Um, oh, you, well, they lost to they lost to Arizona. So I guess they were an eight seed. Yes. Oh, yep. I mean, you're behind. Yep. Uh, okay, so so they haven't. So, so these first four years they lost as a one seed twice in the second round, which is ridiculous. Uh, only once. I see. Okay. So. Okay, so 2014-2015, they're a two seed. They reached the Elite Eight. That was uh, that was the the wasn't that Adam Morrison and the or maybe that was before. No, no that that was before with the uh, 2014. UCLA. I mean, they were a two seed. They beat North Dakota State. They beat Iowa. They beat UCLA. Yep. So they beat a 15, which you expect. They beat a seven in Iowa. Then they have to play UCLA in 11 seed in the Sweet 16, and then you lose to Duke by 14 points. Yep. And then the following year, this is the year I believe that they had to win the 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 West Coast Conference tournament to get in. Like they weren't gonna. This was they were eleven seed. Yes. Yep. So they this because uh, they had a you know the streak going here of all these consecutive tournaments, and if they didn't win the, the West Coast Conference tournament, they weren't getting into the NCAA tournament. So they were eleven seed, uh, Sweet Sixteen appearance. Then. The 2016-17 season was the year they played North Carolina in the championship game. And North Carolina, a very good North Carolina team. Um, I mean, so let's. And, and they were a one seed, and they yep. did not play. They played a four seed. It was the best team they had to play. They, they beat a 16, they beat an 8, mm-hmm. they beat an 11, and they beat the seven seed South Carolina in the final four by four. Yeah. So they did not have a very difficult road. To the uh, to the deal. Correct. Yep. And then 2017-18, uh, four seed made it to the Sweet 16. Um, yep. And they lose to a number nine seed. Yeah, that's not good. Who was that nine seed that year? I'm trying to think. Um, the Florida State. Okay, Florida State. They were four seeds. So they knock off a 13. They knock off a five. Then they get pounded by a nine seed. Yeah, not good. Uh, no. 2018-19, they're a one seed. They lose in the Elite Eight to Texas Tech, I believe, who ended up making the national yes. championship game. That is, uh, I guess, a little more understandable. It looks better than, you know, when when you lose that, and Texas Tech was playing really good at that time. Last year, you no know, tournament held, and this year, again, undefeated season, undefeated going into the championship game, and then get throttled by Baylor. I... So I agree. Like I don't think this is quite Atlanta Braves territory, just because it, 
I mean, it's it's a very impressive what Mark Few has been able to do to build this program. And they're getting a five-star recruit next year. I think they might be getting multiple, like, really, like, top 20 players in uh, in the recruiting class. So that's incredible for a team in the West Coast Conference. I think they need to move out of the West Coast Conference. Uh, and then they can be really judged, I would say, appropriately um, based on... That because it is difficult for them, I think, to get the respect that they do when you're playing the Portlands and the San Diegos and Santa Claras of the world in your conference schedule. People are like, well, how, how good are you? That's why Mark Few has to play the Kansases, the West Virginias, the Baylors of the world in the non-conference, the Iowas, to get his team ready for what's to come in the NCAA tournament. I think it's time they move. I think Mountain West would be... I'd say the logical step. I mean, they could certainly compete with the Pac-12, but I don't know if the Pac-12 makes that exemption from football. I don't know if they would do that or if they would try and add another, like a 14th uh, team in there. Maybe a BYU and say, okay, BYU staying independent for uh, for uh, football, but you're gonna we're gonna welcome you in for all other sports. That's a possibility, perhaps. Um, but I think. Those are the two choices. I think they've certainly outgrown the West Coast Conference, and they need to move out. Agreed? I don't know. It's like it's better than the Summit League. When I talked about the Summit League a month ago, like they've proven they can go to a championship game. I've been in that conference, so mm-hmm. I'm okay with them staying there. And they've got a couple teams that are top 25 type teams. And you, you look at their la- their last eight tournaments, they've been a one seed half the time, mm-hmm. and they've been runner-up twice, so that's not bad. Um, again, they've, they've been the, the one seed four out of the last eight years, and another year they were the uh, the, uh, the two seed. So they've reached the finals twice and lost. They've reached the elite eight twice, two other times, and lost there. Mm-hmm. And they've lost in the Sweet 16 twice and the round of 32 twice. So, two second-round losses, two third-round losses, uh, two runner-ups. So, it's you look at that, I mean, they go down this year as one of the best teams to never win. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, they were, I mean, uh, is this ever going to happen now? I mean, we've seen Kentucky and we've seen uh, a few State. other teams, Wichita State. Yep. Like, is this ever going to happen? Is this going to be like the, the Patriots, where if the Patriots couldn't, couldn't go undefeated? I don't think anybody's going undefeated in football. Right. And this was this was the best thing we've ever seen. This was the best shot mm-hmm. that we've seen since Indiana to do that. And the, the, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. The one I don't thing, think it is. The one thing that I, that I think we have to take into account is the season. And that, that helps. I mean, it definitely I mean, helps. They didn't have to play Baylor, yep. and they didn't have to play. I mean, usually you have to win 40 games. I mean, just think yep. of that. You have to win 38 to 40. You have to win 40 games in a row to do this, and that just doesn't happen in college basketball. And I think in some regards, to I, I think people, I've, I heard it uh, like Tony Kornheiser say it on Pardon the Interruption, that there would have been an asterisk by – Gonzaga because it, it had they gone undefeated just because of the season and you know you're it just everything that culminated in it this was not a regular college basketball season I think if you if they had played Baylor I arguably I think they they could have won that game 
um, in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, Baylor certainly was good. But then if, if Gonzaga loses that, then we're not even talking about this whole, like, how disappointing it is that they lost in the national championship game being uh, being undefeated. We're just going to say, wow, Baylor was really good and won. And they, Baylor would have probably been the number one overall seed if that happens. We're not – I mean, Gonzaga was – the number one overall seed from start to to finish this season. Baylor wins that regular season game, then we're talking a whole different story here. So the the whole narrative changes if we have a different college basketball season. To your point on you know, having to win forty games in a regular season, I don't know if we're ever going to see it. I think that there are enough. The one and dones are a little a little odd, but. Because you ne- don't necessarily get that chemistry together as a team, but I think if you had enough of these four or five star guys, I think anyone can make a run. It's just really, really difficult. And if you have one little off night, you're going down, like we saw with uh, Kentucky in the tournament against Wisconsin. I don't know, like Wichita State is an interesting case because they were dealt, uh, they were given a raw deal by having to face Kentucky, who was the eighth seed, and playing really good basketball at the time. Like, there's no way I think people thought that, hey, they should be an eighth seed. And to get dealt with arguably the best eighth seed in Wichita's region, that sucked. That was that was mm-hmm. not kind of the committee to do. Maybe Wichita State makes this run to the championship game and loses, or like, just comes up so close. That was a really good team with Fred Van Vliet, Ron Baker... Um, I mean, they have really good players on that team. Yeah, that was a good team. I don't know if they would. I don't think they still, even if they didn't have to play Kentucky, I don't think they would have won it. Um, like, I don't see an ACC team going through that conference. I don't see a Big Ten team. No. Nope. Getting. I mean, you had Kentucky. They were so good. And, it, I mean, the SEC can, can sometimes not be very good compared to some of those other Power Fives. I could say a Pac-12 or maybe a Mountain West team, yep. but um, yep. that maybe, maybe a Big 12, you know, just depends. They were they were decent this year, but mm-hmm. you know, if you have a down year there. Well, but, the, but the Big 10 and ACC just have so many teams mm-hmm. that are usually good. Um, like you look at that Kentucky team in 2015, they had Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. They had Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. On the same team, they were both freshmen. They had uh, Willie Cauley Stein, who was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Lyles, who's in the NBA. They had the Harris Twins. Yes. Yep. Uh, they were sophomore. They haven't done much in the NBA, but they were really good. Mm-hmm. And you just looked up and down that roster. They've got six. They had six or seven NBA guys that are that made the NBA. Mm-hmm. That that was an exceptional team, and everybody loved that Duke team a couple years ago with uh, Zion and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish and. Yep. Uh, they lost in the Elite Eight, and everybody was like, oh, man, they're going to go undefeated. They they lost a lot of games. They lost yep. probably six or seven games without looking it up. So yep. I just, I mean, if it, it's got to be like, you know, a, a UNLV-type team, mm-hmm. and UNLV got trounced there 30 years ago against Duke, a similar situation where they weren't in the best conference. And you know, you're going to need one of those mid-major-type teams to run the table and it's going to be so tough because you know, they're going to have to to roll through these these final four level teams. And they almost lost to 
UCLA on, on Saturday. Yeah. So. And I think with Gonzaga, though, being able to get these high recruits that they, you know, they get Jalen Suggs, they're going to get, uh, they get you know, like a five-star recruit coming in next year or the year after. They're getting these good recruits. So it's not as though, like, I'd, and I'd have to look back at what UNLV had. Um Larry Johnson, right? Stacy Augman. Yep. Yeah, they had, they had a lot of NBA guys. They were, but were they coming into UNLV, were they four or five star recruits? That's what I. I don't know. But yeah, whatever they were, they were. They were they, UNLV was a big time deal there for a while. So I think the recruiting game now has changed where Gonzaga is, even though they're a mid they qualify as a mid-major they're looked at as a destination now for a lot for some of these good guys that you know can obviously mark few can get some of these uh, bulldogs into the uh into the pros and they're looked at as one of these teams that can compete for a national championship so i think if you're looking at it at all gonzaga it does have the upper hand when it comes to like a unlv situation because now the top recruits are looking their way not just the Dukes, Kentuckys, Michigan States of the world. I think they're going to get that Chet Holmgren from Minneapolis. Probably. Yep, I know. And he's he's the number one player, and I think they're going to get him. So. Yep. Good. Good luck to that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I know Ben Johnson now the new Minnesota Golden Gophers uh, head coach, trying yeah. his best. Uh, I think Michael Thompson or something, a uh, former. Yep. Uh, Gopher tweeted out he now he's he's with the Lakers or some front office guy with the NBA team said hey Chet you gotta stay you gotta stay here you know build your uh, you know Shit. you know can you can you imagine what you would do uh, for your legacy here in Minnesota if you stayed home with the Gophers okay I mean yeah Chet- you'd be you'd be staying home in Marks that's what the <laughs> hell you'd be doing go to go to Gonzaga and maybe win a national title in your probably one year. Of college, don't don't stay home with the fucking Gophers. So, yeah, it, it's very unlikely that that would be the case, but you never know. Um, and you mentioned to it, Ed, so we've been, you know, kind of alluding to it that miraculous game on Saturday. Like the, the first game, Baylor Houston, a complete dud. Not all that uh, surprising. Baylor very good. Houston not a great offensive team, and Baylor just shredded them defensively. But that second game, like UCLA, for being an 11 seed, playing, they weren't playing like an 11 seed. Uh, they were playing like a top two, top three, top four seed. And just the back and forth, like Johnny Juzang having himself a game, um, the, the back and forth, the, the little runs in there. I thought there were a couple of times where I believe it was Ayayi for Gonzaga when they were up by seven. Had a, he floated the ball in and he missed it. If he makes either of those, I don't think we have the outcome that we do because you get it to nine and then it just seems almost for UCLA, UCLA a little insurmountable. But they they avoid. He missed both of those shots. UCLA comes down, makes a three or a two, you know, cuts the lead to five, and then eventually tied it and just back and forth. But this game was very well played. Not a lot of turnovers. Back and forth, high scoring, great shooting. Uh, Jalen Suggs with the defensive play of the year with that block, then uh, getting. I the mean, ball. yeah, if if that goes the other way, or uh, Timmy with that, yeah, with that play, and then Timmy with that charge, charge if that yep. goes the other way, you see how he wins the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and so big time players making big time plays. 
in this game. And of course, then the the bank shot at the end, which I know he tried to do. Skip Bayless might think he it was a lucky shot. That looked uh, pretty well. Like, yeah, I know what I'm doing here. Um, just fantastic. I I jumped up and screamed when I saw that. I just like, yeah, it was, it was it was unbelievable. I'm pretty sure everyone watching that game probably did that in America. It was just yes. amazing. I mean, both teams. What they shot fifty eight percent. They shot their, their free throws weren't great. So yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, the, the, the only thing that could have been better is this, if this was for the the, the national title. Yes. That's the only way this game could have been better. Yep. And, I, and all the ingredients. There was a lot on the line. It was a final four game. Uh, a lot of points. It was fun to watch. This wasn't fifty two fifty. This mm-hmm. wasn't Virginia uh, playing their bullshit. This wasn't Emily Christian in Texas. This wasn't that game, thank God. A lot of points, and it was from the start. I mean, you had, mm-hmm. what, 44 to 45 at halftime. You had an unbelievable finish, one of the greatest finishes ever. You had a, maybe a controversial call at the end of regulation. Um, this this was a great game. This was Illinois, North Carolina in 05. I really enjoyed that game because as a North Carolina fan, I think that's a great game that doesn't get mentioned. Mm-hmm. You had Villanova, North Carolina from a few years back with that shot. That was a good game. But, man, this, yeah, this was an all-timer. This, you put this up against against any any college basketball game, any tournament game that there's ever been. And this, this was right there. I mean, how, how do you beat Gonzaga? Well, Baylor scored enough, and Gonzaga had an off night offensively. But UCLA, they, they put up 81 in regulation, and it wasn't enough. And they scored 90 in the game, and it wasn't enough. And they shoot. 50% and that wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was like, how in the hell do you beat Gonzaga? If they're not going to lose this game, well, they ended up losing to Baylor. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, everybody's going to remember this this game. This is why you remember this tournament. Yep. This is this is the game you'll remember. You won't remember the championship. You'll remember that it wasn't memorable. But that that game on Saturday, that's, uh, that's a five-star game. That's the best game in a long time. Yes. And each team had ten turnovers, which – you know, sounds like a lot. It's not really for you know for a, that's not a lot. A that's game, amazing for a full game plus overtime. It's just yeah, it, the free throws. Yes, neither team shot the free throws all that well. I think Juzang missed a couple of free throws, and he's a ninety plus percent free throw shooter. And you know my stance on these free throws and just how much it irritates the hell out of me that they miss. I mean, Gonzaga had multiple opportunities against Baylor to even creep closer in the second half, and they kept missing free throws. It just frustrates me. To no end, but I mean that's being incredibly nitpicky for the pace, the the flow of the game, the big time plays that were made on both ends, you know, by each team throughout the game, and then of course the the, the you know Juzang goes down the and I thought when Gonzaga got up by five with 58 seconds left, I'm like okay, this seems like something that they should be able to hang on to, and then. Juzang, you know, when UCLA is down by two, drives in and misses a shot, gets his offensive rebound back. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, at that point, it kind of felt like, okay, if Gonzaga's not going to be able to close it out now, when are they? And then Suggs banks in that three, and it's just the, the pace and everything about this game was just fantastic. So if, and I hope they play next year in non-conference. I don't know if they will or not. 
But if they do, sign me up for UCLA and Gonzaga. And I think UCLA's got a bright future with Mick Cronin because he's going to keep getting the good recruits. He's going to play some great defense. I think UCLA's in line for a very bright future. Uh, Bill Walton, very proud. Bill Walton and... Yeah, you mentioned the play with Suggs. That's, you know, the block, the pass, the dunk. Just yes. such a memorable sequence of about 10 seconds, 5 seconds. It was amazing. It had everything. And it seemed like Gonzaga would get off to a lead and UCLA would come back. And they, they would just always stick around. And they were up, you know, 7, 8 points. And here comes UCLA. So, yeah, this, this was one of those games that happens like you know, maybe a couple times a year. Where I say sports, we like sports. Mm-hmm. This is why we like sports. This is why we watch this fucking thing all every day, all day long mm-hmm. for for a game like this. And this, it's been a while since there's been a game like that. That was that was as good of a game. I remember the World Series game. I think it was Game Five between Houston and the Dodgers a couple of years ago. It was like thirteen, twelve, whatever that was. Yeah, I remember that being an outstanding game. And and this one. There might have been a game or two between that. Uh, you just go, wow, what a what a game. And this, yeah, this was probably, if we get a game better than this all year in any sport, I'd be surprised. This, this, was, this was that good. Yeah, I think this is SB worthy. <laughs> um, yes. Do you think, now you, you brought up Illinois and North Carolina from 05. Is that, the, is that the only other game that's comparable that you can even think of on the college basketball Why? on the college basketball scene that you have seen? Because I can't remember a better game. Like, there are probably more exciting moments uh, that I can remember from certain games, but as well played of a game like mm-hmm. this, I can't remember one. No, because we didn't see Duke and Kentucky that everybody talks about in 92. Mm-hmm. I don't – there's nothing, nothing that comes to mind. There's been a few national title games that have been pretty good that Villanova – Carolina game, I think uh, Gonzaga, yes. Carolina was pretty decent. Yes. But, no, this this was great. I don't remember. I mean, there was that, what, five overtime UConn-Syracuse Big yes. East tournament game there a decade plus ago. Yep. I mean, that was, you know, that was something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was, again, just a, a Big East tournament game in, in Connecticut. Uh, I think they won the whole thing that year. Or, they did, yep. I mean, that was an amazing run they had with Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they had to so, win five games in five days in the Big East tournament. I mean, they weren't. It, it's incredible. And then, and then they go on to win the whole thing. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. you're going to be tired. You're going to be you know, finished. No, they just kept on winning. Mm-hmm. So other than those couple examples, yeah, this was, this was as good as it gets. When we look back at the 2021 NCAA tournament, it's obvious, It's going to be memorable for a couple of reasons. One, because we didn't have the tournament in 2020, so you're looking at that. But I've, I'm going to remember this for this uh, Gonzaga-UCLA Final Four game, then Gonzaga losing in the championship game when they were so close to history. I'm going to remember Oral Roberts getting to the Sweet 16. And then... It, I mean, Emily Christian any... beating Texas because my guy got uh, they get fired, but he left. Uh, yeah, like an he was so going to get fired. And Christian, I'm going to remember that one. Yep. And I'm going to remember like you know, all the, the Iowa's losing, Ohio State, mm-hmm. Illinois, the upsets, Illinois, Chicago making a run, stupid shit like Oregon State almost yep. making the Final Four. So I think the 
those particular upsets are what I'm going to remember. So I, this is going to be a very memorable fi- uh, NCAA tournament game that we'll remember many years down the line for that. I think the only other thing that I can think of would be, you know, how a awesome it was to have the NCAA tournament back, but it just felt like it was missing something throughout. You know, that the fans obviously that couldn't be full capacity at any arenas. Uh, they, it was all centralized there in, in the state of Indiana, uh, Indianapolis, and uh, West Lafayette, Bloomington. Uh, there were no bands or, or cheerleaders. I'm looking forward to next year's tournament when hopefully things are normal and we have that nor- that full normalcy with you know the, the tournament being played in different cities. So it was a, a unique tournament in that regard. So I will remember that, that aspect of it as well. Like, I'm not... When the Vikings and Packers played, that was kind of one of the first games. Like, oh, there's no, there's no people here. It's weird. Mm-hmm. And baseball just had no. I mean, and baseball's got people now, so it's not. They're kind of back to normal. They're not capacity. It's like at least they've got. Not your Texas. Texas is at capacity. Yeah, they're at capacity. But these other teams, you know, like Detroit today, there were people in the crowd. There were, you know, you can have I think ten thousand people or so, or twenty five percent, and. For a lot of these day games, you might only get 15,000 people on, on a, mm-hmm. if there were no restrictions. So baseball's kind of back to normal. I didn't notice it a whole lot. Like uh, the women, they, they, they put, they made it look decent. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, next year crowds and all, it wasn't a huge factor for me as far as enjoyment. But, and it was, yeah, it, it was very good. We should also congratulate uh, Stanford and mention their game against Arizona and also mention that Arizona upset uh, UConn in the women's Final Four, which is just absolutely shocking. Uh, Ari McDonald is the, the player for uh, for Arizona. She's going to be a high draft pick. Uh, that I watched the majority of that championship game on Sunday, and it was... It was very good because of the runs back and forth, but Stanford had way too many turnovers. Arizona, uh, McDonald didn't have a great game, but she had a chance to win it at the end. So overall, it was an it was an exciting championship game. It wasn't the most well played, but Stanford wins their first uh, championship since 1992. And I'll admit, I thought it was a lot more recent than that because Tar- uh, Tara Vanderveer is a very good head coach. Uh, got. Either she has the most wins or among... Uh, she does have the most ever. Yep. So, I mean, she's been there a very long time. So I And Stanford's always been a very good program. They're also the only uh, one seed on the women's side ever to lose to a 16 seed. That was Harvard. Um, but I, I, thought, I thought they would have won a championship more recently than 92, given how great that program has been throughout the the last, you know, however many years. 30 years. I watched a little bit of it, and then when you saw, oh, yeah, they could maybe, Arizona can maybe beat uh, Connecticut, that, that piques your interest. Mm-hmm. And uh, they hung on to win there. And, yeah, it's got a little bit of a championship game. But, I mean, uh, you, you, you had some different teams in there. I was hoping Arizona would win. Mm-hmm. It, it, it so rarely happens on the women's side that it's not Baylor or Notre Dame or Connecticut or South Carolina. Or it's usually a one seed. And um, it was Stanford, they're, you know, a traditional power, but at least, you know, it was a different team. The, they also won both of their Final Four contests, the semifinal and then the national championship, by one point. Uh, very few teams have done that. So that, 
that's very good for them. So congrats to Stanford. The one last thing about Gonzaga that I wanted to mention is that it it just felt to me like this was a Minneapolis miracle moment for them. Uh, in that it, the the joy, the jubilation, the emotions that that went into uh, that shot and everything leading after it, just like you know when Keenum found Diggs for that touchdown to beat the Saints in the the divisional playoff, and then they still had to play the Eagles to reach the championship game. And yes, that's a week later, but they just looked kind of exhausted. They looked mentally exhausted. They were a little slow and stuff because of. The, all the emotions and the the physical toll that that game took on them the previous week, and I think they even mentioned that afterwards. Like, yeah, it, we just didn't have that same juice that we had the previous week, and we were spent a little bit. And I think Gonzaga had that same sort of deal where you're coming off this huge, incredible win, this incredible moment, the game-winning shot, uh, unbelievable, and then you still have to play in the national championship game. And I think they were just exhausted after that. I think they and and because it was in overtime too, I don't think that helped matters. And they played the late game. You know, Baylor played the early game, so the, you know, difference of a few hours probably has some uh, something to do with it. But I just, that's one reason why I picked Baylor on Monday in the blog is because I just felt like Gonzaga wasn't going to have that same juice and mentality. And it came to fruition, unfortunately. Like their defense couldn't do anything. Right. Like Baylor just killed them. Baylor just throttled this team. It was bad. So it was. I will say, like UCLA, you look at you. You look at UCLA. They were the team of the tournament as far as entertaining games. Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama. Alabama and uh, Michigan State were the first games yeah. before the tournament. Yeah. I mean, they very easily could have not even been in this tournament. Um, right. Being that in that first four, so they were they were very close to to winning the whole thing and not even being in it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, and may I say, as as we wrap up the college yes. basketball, yep. Remind me. Hope I don't forget. Here, it's a team that I've liked in the past. They got a great name and all that. <clears throat> as we head into next year's tournament, there's a team. I'm going to pick a team already. Our team to watch next year. Okay. Our team to watch. Okay. Yep, I'm ready. We're going with St. Bonaventure. Okay. We're going to go with St. Bonaventure, at least for me, is my team. You know, not a big not a big uh, A-10 team, an A-10 team. Yep. But we're going to go with... The Bonnies. St. Bonaventure to be a team of note. Any in, particular in, in, in reason? Any particular reason? I think everybody's back. I think they were a good team. Mm-hmm. Oh, they made the tournament through, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yep, lost uh, LSU. I think, I think everybody's back. So, a team that's back, this, that, that's back. That's, right. I like a lot of that. I like him as a top 25 team for next year. Normally, I have my final four picks oh. uh, for next year. I don't have that this year. I have two of them right off the bat. Um, it's Michigan State and Gonzaga. I am leaning towards then the other two picks. I'm leaning towards Alabama. I, I think no. I think Alabama, but it depends on who's all coming back. Uh, like what can uh, Nate Oates bring in talent wise? I'd love to pick Villanova again. I think Villanova would be maybe that other team for me. Uh, so, but Michigan State and Gonzaga are the teams for me 
next year that I'm really keeping an eye on. Um, I think, you know, UCLA and USC, Oregon, the Pac-12, we're going to have to pay attention more to the Pac-12 next year because those teams at the top, I think, are going to stay on top. Colorado might have a little bit of a rebuilding year. Uh, our boy, uh, Craig Smith, went from Utah State to Utah. He's not really our boy, but we know him from his days at USD. So that's interesting. Uh, Otzelberger left for Iowa State, so UNLV is kind of a whatever. But, um, you know, Oklahoma's coach Ron Kruger retired. His son is now going to coach at UNLV. Um, I, and, well, uh, Porter Moses. I mean, what's going to happen to Sister Jean? Porter Moses, or Porter Moser, excuse me, not not Moses, Moser is now the head coach at Oklahoma. What's that going to do for Sister Jean? And then Sean Miller gets fired from Arizona today. So what what's up with Arizona? A lot, a lot happening here. A lot to look at for next year. Here's my final four. Okay. The championship is a rematch between UCLA and Gonzaga. All right. I like it. I didn't we're want to pick this. UCLA, but I was thinking of them. So we're going to have this rematch, and Gonzaga's going to win this game. All right. We're finally going to do it. My other two Final Four teams got to be St. Bonaventure because we're going to go with them. Let's go with them all the way. All right. St. Bonaventure. My other one's Purdue. You know, Purdue, St. Bonaventure, UCLA, and Gonzaga. All right. Interesting. Why Purdue? Well, I got a lot of people back. If you got everybody back, I'm picking yep. you. Okay. If you're not losing anybody, uh, we like that. Well, and here's the thing, too, that I think has to be taken into account. Some of these guys might come back be, that are seniors because of that extra year, because this was yeah. essentially a free year. So we don't know that. And the transfer portal has, plays a significant role. And I mean, we should mention that Roy Williams retired from UNC, yeah. uh, and Hubert Davis was named the head coach. Um, so, you know, best of luck to. Hubert, uh, there. I don't know how that's going to necessarily play out for UNC. Um, I'm going to reserve some judgment there. But the transfer portal plays a whole additional factor. And this, and, and just to add another layer, is seniors can come back if they want to. Last this past season was essentially a free year. I mean, everybody got their games in for the most part. Some teams more than others. Mm-hmm. And some, you know. Who's my team, Holy Cross? Gold, like, Colgate. Colgate that got Colgate to play. Colgate like two fucking games. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, some teams played 30 games. Some teams played maybe 20. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a half year. Yeah. So we'll definitely see uh, what goes on there. Uh, let's. Uh, do we want to talk to Sean Watson right now or save him for later? Let's go baseball. Okay, let's go to the baseball. Let's go to the joyous baseball here. Uh, we'll get to the – unfortunately, we have to talk the political – aspect of the fallout of uh, that Major League Baseball finds themselves in the crosshairs of. But we'll get to that later on. This is opening week. Uh, Twins, 4-2 now after beating Detroit, uh, taking two out of three there. They are uh, undefeated playing just regular nine innings of baseball. You throw in that extra inning, tenth inning with the stupid second uh, runner on second to start. And they're 0-2. Um, but uh, what what were your thoughts? I, I was very disappointed that they blew that lead, that Cologne blew that lead well, against the Brewers. Otherwise, we could be looking at a 5-1 and team here to start. Yeah, good start. A couple games, they could have maybe won. But I think the pitching's been, pitching I think has been excellent. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, the hitting has been pretty good. Nelson Cruz had a good series. Yes, he did. Uh, Byron Buxton, if he's not sick, he's hitting the hell out of the ball. Yep. Oh, but so, Donaldson, he... Took Josh Allen about two lanes to get hurt, so that's going to be a theme. So, I mean, I'm not depending on him for anything. I'm not... He'll be back, I'm sure, in a couple weeks, but... I'm not banking on him being around as a healthy member. He's old. Mm-hmm. You know, in retrospect... You probably don't sign them because that's – you can use your money elsewhere. Well, you know, it was they, a chance. Very uh, very unforeseen, don't you think? Oh, no, he's always hurt, though. God damn, like last year it was a calf. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year it's a hamstring. I'm waiting for his Achilles to pop and just end the whole thing. So, so like he's a guy with injury history, so it was a risk to sign him. But the Twins are going to get those guys, those guys that are – on the down end of their career, a former MVP, and if he's productive, like you could put him at DH, but the Twins, they got the best DH in baseball right now. Sure Hopefully do. Nelson Cruz is back next year because he's one of the best hitters they've ever had. Yep. So, pitching's good. I like the bullpen. Uh, Colome had a six-out save today. That's good to see. Oh, Colome. I call him Colome. My bad. Good enough. Uh, Taylor Rogers looks, looks to be better this year. Uh, Hansel Robles, I like him. Uh, he was terrible last year with the Angels, but he's been pretty good outside of that, and uh, I really like him. And Tyler Duffy's been okay, so I like their top three in the bullpen a lot. Caleb Thielbar, uh, I think he's only maybe pitched once. So um, I, I like the I like the bullpen. The starters, Matt Shoemaker, if he can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. He pitched a heck of a game against Detroit the other day. He did. That was good. Uh, Jay Happ pitched, pitched four innings, gave up a run. That's fine. For him, so and the pitching's been excellent. The defense basically let him down in that uh, opener. Uh, there was a deep ball to Kepler. It is a glove. You should have catch that. Probably win the game. Mm-hmm. So, and they've got an easy schedule. I mean, uh, Detroit's not very good. Um, they've got Seattle and Boston, two shit teams as well. Mm-hmm. So they got seven games coming up here at home next week. So uh, go go five and two. Red Sox suck. Seattle sucks. Go five and two, and put them at what nine and four. Yeah. Nine and four is a good start. Holy cow! Oakland zero and six, and losing all six games at home—that's not good. Boston nope. lost their first three home games of the year to um, to Baltimore, no less, uh, before they uh, swept Tampa. Uh, by look, I mean that, that Tampa two and four—that's not good. Uh, Blue Jays, there are a lot of interesting things from this first week. Kansas City looked okay. Cleveland, not so much. Uh, But I think the biggest news now out there is the injury to Fernando Tatis Jr. A dislocated shoulder on a a swing. Uh, I think that that, uh, obviously, you have to be nervous about that. But what do we think, what do we make of uh, what might happen with Tatis Jr. and the Padres now? Never sign a guy to a 14-year contract. Okay. I think I think I said it at the time. What? Why? Why do you feel the need to sign somebody to a essentially a career contract? Nobody knows if he can stay healthy. I get ridiculous. And maybe this will be an injury. He'll be out a couple months and he'll be fine. But it's just ridiculous. A 14-year deal. Get the fuck out of here. I'm hit dumb. Uh, Pujols sign like a 10-year deal. Miguel Cabrera sign like a 10-year deal, and they're just some of the worst players in baseball right now. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't sign him. You know, he's only 22 years old, 21 years old. That's fine. 
if, if Juan Soto signs with Washington, as much as I like him, I don't sign him for 14 years. Like what? Could you sign him for 10? Could you sign him for eight? Why are we signing guys for until they're 35, 36? So who knows? Maybe it'll work out, but that's what I take away from it. Don't sign guys for three presidential terms for Christ's sake. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the, the Phillies beat, the, they sweep the Braves. That was a little surprising. Uh, the, Nationals, the Reds the Reds and the uh, Cardinals had a fight they did. on Saturday. I saw that about 10,000 times, and the Reds are hitting the hell out of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, let's see. The Nationals, they've had COVID issues uh, already, so that's not great for them. Uh, James Paxton, who used to be good for Seattle, went to the Yankees, and I was back with Seattle. He pitched all of an inning and a half yes last night before he got hurt again. <laughs> so he's always hurt. So there's no real, I mean, the Reds, the Phillies, there's no huge surprises. The Astros look like world beaters. Yep. So if the Astros are going to be like what they were a couple of years ago, uh, Zach Grinke's been tremendous. So, mm-hmm. and the Twins, I think the Twins win this division. Um, yep. Chicago White Sox have got this, what, this one dude just raking. Yeah, it was eight for eight. Eight for his first eight, right? Unbelievable first player ever to do that, I think. Uh, Herman Mercedes. Yes. Some 28-year-old guy who had, I think, one at bat before this year. And if uh, Eloy Jimenez doesn't get hurt, this guy's not even on the team. Mm-hmm. And like I said last week, that's why I like baseball. Some guy we have never heard of. Mm-hmm. Some guy who wasn't expected to be in the mix comes up, and he does something that's never happened before. Starts the season eight for eight. Who's the so – sorry, go ahead. I mean, that's why I like baseball. You're going to get some random dude, and he was the story of the first weekend of the season. Who was the Detroit Tiger that hit his uh, uh, home run on his very first pitch of his very first at-bat? Badoo! But, oh, it was, okay, it was Badoo. I mean, he's playing outstanding. He's fun to watch. Can I give you one second? Yabba-dabba-badoo! Ha-ha-ha! Ah, Yabba-dabba-doo-doo! Yes, I like it. Good job, was, Chris Berman. Good job like on that. It. He's a guy that was a Rule 5 pickup. Which means he's a minor leaguer that you pick up and you have to have him on your major league roster all season or else you give him back to the team. Mm-hmm. I think he was the third overall pick to Detroit and the Twins. He came from the Twins. And I'd heard of him because he's got a weird name and not a very big guy. And he wasn't a very good hitter. He did, I think he hit like two and under 220 in 2019 in high A ball. He was kind of, I think it was a third-round pick, so he was a fairly high pick. But he had never played above single A, and he was not a very good hitter. I think he's a two. He's a two forty-seven career hitter in the minors. So you look at him, you're like, yeah, this this guy's not great. I think he hit, hit eleven home runs a couple of years ago, like a hundred and ten games or so. So mm-hmm. not a ton of power, but he's just killing the ball, and he killed the Twins this weekend or this week. With the grand slam, that didn't really matter, but got the game-winning hit on Tuesday and hit another home run the other day. I mean, he's that's unbelievable. So yeah, hopefully, well, I don't he can't keep this up, but he should stay with them for the rest of the year. And I mean, again, another guy who nobody had really heard of, yep. some guy that's never played above Class A, and he is another star of the first first week of the year. Do you? Okay, so that leads me into my next question: Do you have a pitcher in a? Uh, Oh my! Is it because it's not a full week? Does it not really count? Do you want to wait? And... Yeah, give me, give me till. Yeah, give me uh, till Sunday. Okay. 
like either of those two guys we mentioned could count as the as the hitter. Okay. I guess of the, of the week early on here, um, a pitcher, a starter really doesn't. There's a guy for Toronto. He's a reliever who has done well, but he's only pitched a couple of innings. Uh, who is he? So that might be a guy I would okay. mention give, for my... I'll give it to next week. Julian Julian Merriweather. Okay. He's only appeared in two games, but he struck out five guys. He struck out five of the six guys he's had. So I guess Julian Merriweather uh, would be an early contender off of two innings pitched. Okay. Well, I'll give you, we'll give you next week because you'll have a full week and a half then sure. um, to get the official ones in there. I, I mean, yeah, after four days, it's a little little difficult to do. Any any other takeaways from the beginning of the baseball season and opening day, opening week? I got the MLB TV package uh, app thing. And there's something new on here. It's, all, I think it's called Big Inning or Big Innings. It's basically red zone for baseball. Ooh. And I don't think it starts until maybe like 8.30 every night. Okay. I wish it would start maybe at 6 or 7. So, And uh, MLB Network kind of does this throughout their show. So that's good. But I'm watching it right now. It's on here this afternoon. And it just kind of takes you from game to game. So that's a good way to, uh, if you've got no interest in a particular game, you can just put that on and Mm -hmm. it'll take you from this game to that game. So kind of like Red Zone for... For baseball. Excellent. And that's, I think that's a good idea. Excellent. That's, that's new this year. Uh, the Masters is this week, uh, teeing off on Thursday. Uh, first major of the year. No Tiger Woods. Uh, of course, our guess is playing really fast, so that means big hitters like Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau are good. Some people think that just because Jordan Spieth won last week that he... Oh, the momentum's with him. He's primed for uh, for getting his first green jacket. Yeah, shut up is what I have to say to that. I know this guy. My favorite, and I, I think he's playing. I have to confirm this or not because I know his wife just had a kid. But uh, John Rom, I like. John Rom, the most exciting man in America. John Rom. I think he's my pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, last year was unique and fun because the Masters was played in November. Um, and I, I liked that it was in November with you this. You know what? Yes. I don't even remember who won. Dustin Johnson. Okay. Like I, I would have thought about it for a while, maybe, but I, I couldn't have been, that was what, three months ago. Right. Five months ago. Um. I, I couldn't tell you who won. So this is a, uh, a tradition unlike any other. The Masters. Unlike any CBS. other. What a racist bunch of bastards. Um, so with that, um, well, I guess, yeah, I forgot about the, the baseball. Mike, we'll I, to I'm going to take a guy. Yep. Colin Morikawa. Oh, yes. Yes, this is a – he's a fun golfer to watch. 24 years old, I'm going to have him be my guy. All right. I like it. I really so. like that. Um, the Masters chairman is against any boycott over the Georgia voting law. Uh, let's see. Let me get the the story pulled up here and get the exact quote from uh, Mr. Fred Ridley, who says, uh, um, 
the, I mean, okay, the, the, the people that are calling for a boycott of the Masters over the Georgia voting law, like, it, it's not like an other, like a, any other golf tournament where it rotates each year, like you might, it might be here one year and not, you know, again for another decade or maybe ever. The Masters is always played in Augusta. So for the people that are calling the boycott of that, I think it's a little ridiculous. The PGA Championship that's being played at like East Lake Golf Club outside of Atlanta. Okay, that one I could maybe see you maybe wanting to move somewhere else. We'll see if that happens or not right now. PGA is not saying anything about that. But this comes on the heels of, again, the Georgia voting law. It's very restrictive and stuff. Um, I wonder why that was, Zach. I wonder why they decided to to do that. Because, I don't know, Democrats won the Senate. And Joe Biden won the presidency. Could that be a reason why it, it could be. they now decided to say, "Hey, let's, let's crack down on these black people that voted so much." Let, let's, in the yeah, like uh, you know what, Chris, there's a lot of voter fraud out there. So I think that's a Tons. major reason why you know what Delaware has really restrictive laws, and I don't. I see Colorado's getting. Um, involved in like oh the, the the laws are very comparable and you know why Colorado is getting brought up is because Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta to Denver at Coors Field and then you start looking at that uh, Jen uh, Psaki the uh, the White House uh, press secretary uh, she was ready for a question from Fox News is Peter Ducey and she basically said uh, well you can actually register to vote on election day in Colorado. They have mail-in voting there. They have like 16 different uh, like forms of ID or something that you can do. So she was ready for the question. So people who are saying that that Colorado is the same as Georgia. So why why did Major League Baseball move it there? Let, let's cool the Jets a little bit on that. Um, but ultimately, I. I, honestly, like vote, voting rights, I you probably should have an ID to vote because you need uh, ID for a lot of things. But that aside, the, the fact that Major League Baseball moved the game out of Georgia, I think was the right call uh, given the, the controversy, the shitstorm that has ensued because of this. And, and Governor Kemp knew that would happen because he had enough people voting. He's, you know, he's a dipshit of, in and of itself. But they move it to Colorado, and now Major League Baseball is having to do with this political fallout, and people are clamoring, you know, mainly you know conservatives and stuff, saying this isn't right and all that. Like, why are you moving? Like, we got to boycott baseball. Well, you know what? Go ahead. You know, it's. I don't. It seems like it's for me. I think the right decision was made in this. I don't think it's a huge deal. And oh, like Atlanta is going to lose a hundred million dollars because of this, or you know, Cobb County or De- DeKalb County. Um, where I think it, no, actually, it's just Cobb County. I think is where the yep. the stadium yep. is at. They could lose a hundred million dollars because of this. Well, you know what? Then maybe you should look at the terrible law that was passed and say these are the economic repercussions of this. And everyone that's been calling out, you know, organize, uh, you know, companies left and right. Arthur Blank of the owner of the Atlanta Falcons releasing a statement. Like you have a lot of people saying, hey, this isn't right. So, honestly, moving the game out is fine by me. Uh, and, you know, the it's almost that's like there's consequences for your actions. Exactly. It's almost like if you do something, uh, there are consequences for, for that action. Mm-hmm. If you're going to pass this uh, new voter restrictions, 
uh, companies can say, yeah, I don't like that. I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. Major League Baseball can say, I don't like that. I'm going to we're going to move our all-star game to Denver. So it's almost like it's it's up to them. It's cancel culture, Krenz. It's cancel culture. That's right. And with Augusta, I mean, they're as racist as it gets, so it's not like... I mean, yeah, people are yeah moving out. I mean, they're I mean, they're they're fourth, I'm sure. So, Rob Manfred does have a membership at Augusta, for what it's worth, uh, as does Roger Goodell. But I wonder when the first black yeah when was the first black member, the first African American member of Augusta National? What year was that? I don't know. Are you looking that up right Take now? Take a guess. Take a guess. I'm gonna say uh, I think I know they have an honorary member. I'm gonna say it was probably. Was it 2005? 1990. Some TV executive. Um, Ron Townsend was invited and accepted as the first African-American member to the all-white golf club in Alabama, Alabama, who refused membership to African-Americans. So we talk a lot about racial stuff. And all this was in the 50s and the 60s. This was when we were born. This was 1990. You mean he was, the, but he was the first guy at Augusta National. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The first black yeah. invited and accepted was some TV executive, Ron Townsend, Townsend mm-hmm. in 1990. Uh, can women even? If they're going to play a, a think, women's tournament here. Yep. Um, when was the first two females, Condoleezza Rice and some other lady? the first two females of Augusta National. When did that happen? I think that was like, uh, that was recently, right? Like 2017? 2012. Oh, okay. So we're talking about an organization and a golf club which uh, admitted its first black person 30 years ago, and they admitted their first females nine years ago. So, yeah, fuck them. I mean, come on. <laughs> so there's that. Um, yeah. So that aside here, uh, now we got some other disturbing news to talk about. Also, one, one more thing yeah. about the voting thing. Yeah. It's, you know, they, they mail you a ballot in Colorado. That's nice. If you're registered, you get a mail. You get a ballot to mail in if you want it. That mm-hmm. seems pretty convenient to vote. Uh, my idea would be that once you turn 18, you're automatically registered to vote. You don't have to go to the county courthouse. Sure. You don't have to sign up. Say, I want to be registered to vote. If we were a true democracy, uh, everybody would automatically be Register to vote on their 18th birthday would be automatic. You are now eligible to to drink and buy alcohol and smoke when at 18, 21, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And also, you're now able to vote, and it's automatic. If if we were a true democracy, that's that's the way it should be. Yeah, that would be smart. And yeah, you know, you could buy cigarettes. You can, I mean, you can't drink, I guess, until 21. But who yeah. knows when that was there? But yeah, it, 18. It seems to be that. Uh, that rule of thumb that that's when you become mature. You're, a, you're an mm-hmm. adult at that point. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's a couple of disturbing things to talk about. The you know We loved uh, Deshaun Watson for a long time, but I think that ship's uh, long sailed now because the allegations keep piling up. The lawsuits now are starting to come in. The Houston... Police departments starting to investigate him. Sponsors are pulling out. Nike beats by Dre, no longer uh, sponsoring Deshaun Watson. Uh, uh, Reliant Energy, uh, they're no longer uh, their their sponsorship with him was going to end at this spring anyway. But they aren't renewing it. Like this, this is pretty serious, and he's going to land on the commissioner's exempt list. Uh, 
it's it's just really hard to defend him right now. I it, again, he doesn't seem like this type of person, but boy, the 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 credibility of him is pretty shot unless something uh, Rusty Harding can do here as lawyer to to make us see otherwise. But that seems like a very daunting challenge at this point. Yeah, there's 22 of them. That's a big number. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff that should probably disqualify you from playing football for a while. So, whatever the penalty, it probably won't be enough. I mean, you know, we should probably set out the season. Say, let's let's Good. figure out what's going on here. And we know the court system and the legal system is not very swift. Nope. So this is going to take a long time. So, sure is. and then um, we have. Uh, figure out, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Figure out figure out what's true, what's not, and say until then. Um, you you should have a seat. It's you just, should not be playing this season. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's not a couple games or a month. It's it's a full it's season. the entire year. Yep, it's it's disturbing by all measures. Um, yeah, it's so good. But whatever comes of this, even if he somehow goes to prison for a couple of years, like he'll be back. You know, some team will say yes, we we want you because he is he's exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, the. The Jets made a trade. They traded Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers, so it seems like Teddy Bridgewater's on the way out. I think this is a great move for the Panthers. Um, we'll see if they draft a quarterback at eight or if they maybe get one of these awesome playmakers like a Devontae Smith or uh, Jalen Waddell, uh, Jamar Chase, uh, wide receiver to help Sam Darnold there, but that's certainly news. And then we have dumbass Jeff Gladney here of the Minnesota Vikings who... Um, he assaulted a woman last week, and we don't condone oh. that at, by any stretch of the imagination. And it, this just goes to show that the Vikings made a mistake drafting him because while he was okay his rookie season, he wasn't great. Cam Dantzler was a far better player, third-round pick out of Mississippi State. Probably should have taken Antoine Winfield Jr. So I think no, Gladney is done as a Viking, just given what is... Uh, Given what's listed here, like just like you can, you can bad. cut it. That's fine. You can, you can say thanks, but no thanks. You're like if I was them, I again, I'm pretty strict. Yeah, I would say, all right, you're done. Goodbye. Yeah, I think he's going you to. This? I Goodbye. Think he's going Good. To. I hope so. Uh, this is it's it's very very bad, very disturbing stuff. All because of uh, you know some because uh, of the woman involved here who was maybe texting someone that he didn't want, so he just decided to you know, like dragger with his car it's just it's bad it's just bad all the way around so i hope jeff gladney never plays again um for the vikings Did we mention patrick peterson a couple weeks ago uh no we didn't what, what's wrong with him i haven't heard anything on no was, uh, they, they signed him oh, yes you yeah. know yep he should he should be good he's yep. he's been around a while but he should still be pretty good and that's and they need that so, so that, was, that, that was a pretty good sign yes and that might put the vikings now in the market for a cornerback here in the draft so uh, we know zimmer loves his cornerbacks but i think they obviously you got to go offensive tackle uh, build, rebuild that offensive line, maybe pick up a first-round pick if quarterback slides or not. Uh, next week, uh, Jeff Lloyd will join me for uh, to break down either offense or defense, and the following week do the other one, and then big mock draft coming up in three weeks. So the NFL draft is closer than we think. Um, but just, yeah, Jeff Gladney, get the hell out. He's, it's just bad. It's so, so bad. So uh, take a hike, Mike. That's what I, I have to say to him. Good. Go to hell, I say. Go to hell. Uh, well, yeah, that too. And um, 
it should be noted here, Aaron Rodgers is hosting Jeopardy. Well, he, he recorded the, the shows a little while back, and they're just airing now over these two weeks. And he says he would love to be the full-time host of Jeopardy. And I got to tell you, I've seen a couple of clips, and I think he's doing a pretty gosh darn good job. And I would be a total fan of him being uh, the full-time Jeopardy host, not just because he'd leave the Packers then, uh, even though he's contemplating, that, oh, maybe I could do both. But given the amount of preparation that he did for this and the amount of respect that he has for Alex Trebek and the Jeopardy show, because he, he won Celebrity Jeopardy here back, what, 20, 2015, I believe. If you're going to give that amount of respect to the show and do that, do your due diligence and make sure that you're honoring Alex Trebek as only you can do, that's good enough for me for you to be the full-time host. So it's not just how he's doing, but it's what he's doing to prepare and honor Alex's legacy. I don't think it's going to be him. It could be him in a couple of years. He's busy, of course. And yeah. Well, he could retire. You're, he would make far more money being the host yeah. of Jeopardy than he would be playing quarterback for the Packers. I don't think so. I think he'd make more money as the quarterback he, for the Packers. He could command upwards of at least $5, 6000000 million a year. A year for Jeopardy plus any other you know endorsements or anything else. And he could get that for a 30-40 year contract like as long as he wants. And I guarantee you, it would be more than five or six million a year as the as the years go on. He would make more money doing this than he would playing football for a few more years. I would rather play football here. He is due forty million dollars next year. If the Packers keep him, well, this coming season, I mean, he'll, yeah. he's going to be there this year. Yes. Yeah. He's due thirty-seven some million or twenty-two million or whatever. My, so if he play if he plays football for four more years, he's going to get at least a hundred million. He will get more if he plays four more years at quarterback. He'll get more money than he will probably whatever he does the rest of his life. I don't see him earning a hundred million dollars over his next forty years. Maybe you know with the endorsements and whatever, but Tony Romo is making a lot of money, but. You know, keep keep playing, keep playing quarterback because you're you're getting paid a lot. Well, and if after that, if they need a host, then by all means do that. But I, I feel like Ken Jennings probably has the inside track. But if Aaron Rodgers does good, and I you know, I think he's going I to. And by the way, him. Alex Trebek, ten million dollars per year is the contract. So that seems like a lot. So is that what Alex Trebek was making? That's what Alex Trebek was making, ten million a year. Uh, ten uh, Jeopardy films, ten shows every other week for twenty three weeks. The schedule turns out 230 shows a year, so by the math, it's about $43,000 per episode. So I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's I mean, that's that's why I think it, that's why it would be it would make far more sense if they offer him the job right now that he says, okay, you know what, I might be able to play for a few more years, but the the long term deal, I I would take the Jeopardy contract. I would. I'm just going to check now. I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it's possible to tape a bunch of shows during the season. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's possible, but I would seem you could get Ken Jennings at a much cheaper price. You know what Drew Carey makes for The Price is Right? <sighs> Probably too much. $5 million. $12.5 million per year. Like for what? What are we... For what? I would pay Aaron Rodgers more than Drew Carey to host. I'm it. not paying anybody that much to do anything. 
Do you want the eyeballs though on your show? Uh, you know, I gotta look up Pat Sajak. Damn it! Uh, let's see. Freaking Jesus Christ! What am What's he making? Twenty million? Well, I, that's I gotta I gotta check. No, no, no. Between him and Vanna White, that's I mean that's that's good living right there. It you sure work, is. Uh, Pat Sajak makes fifteen work, essentially once a week for that. Yeah, 15, oh, twice or twice every other week. Fifteen sure. million dollars for Pat Sajak. Now let's uh, check out Vanna White. Uh, ridiculous! Uh, I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, that is stupid. Ten million dollars annually is what she's making. Ten million. Ten million. Yep. Now I got to check out. I mean, how how stupid is that? I, it's it's. It, People are watching this. It's all about the TV dollars and stuff. You're worth. Oh, here. Oh, look at this. Uh, oh wait. We'll um, see in future years, but are more or less people going to watch Jeopardy? Or are that much fewer people going to watch Jeopardy in the next five know. to ten years? I don't know. I mean, you you could literally, honestly, could literally save a hundred million dollars. Uh, Think it, about that. Over ten years. Yeah. You go from paying Alex Rebecca ten million to paying Ken Jennings whatever. A million, half a million, whatever. Like you're literally going to save a hundred million dollars. Just saying, over, over a decade. I'm just saying, Aaron Rodgers, like that. If that's the type of money, and I have to decide between that and a Packers organization that doesn't seem committed to me, I'll take. I'll take Jeopardy. I'll go to the Vikings and beat the Packers oh, twice and lose in the lose okay. in the NFC title game. That's I mean that's I'm so old without hope. Yeah, I mean I'd be okay with that. And I'm just looking at Steve Harvey now. It says he makes forty five million dollars a year for his various jobs, but he does everything, like Family Feud. I mean, he, he's, my goodness. Like, I, I mean, I there's been a lot of Family Feud that. hosts throughout the years, and he seems to have been he's going to be there for a while. So he seems like they've stuck with him. But if he were leaving, they were to get somebody else. So it was that Al Bolin was the host of Family Feud for a couple of years. Yes. Yep. It's like, Jesus Steve, Christ, that's Steve, ridiculous. Steve Harvey is the best host of Family Feud since Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson. No, is Richard, uh, Richard Dawson. The original host. He's the best. But Richard Dawson. But I'm saying since Louis Anderson. Like, sure. If we're gonna yeah. if we're gonna rank him, I would put. Probably Richard Dawson, even though he's a little, you know, sexist. But that was, I guess, the era and stuff. That was the seventies. I mean, that was uh, he was the best. Well, he was the best. Well, I could put Richard Dawson at number one. I'll put Steve Harvey at two. Louis Anderson at three. Like it, it and they've gone through many other hosts other than that. But those are the those are the top three. And I, I mean, Steve Harvey just he makes that show fun to watch. He got a lot of personality, so. They do. I mean, all those guys you mentioned, they do good jobs. Yes, I mean, Drew Carey, when he first... I mean, have you have you watched one since? Is that... Have you I, now, is that I can tell... Like, I can count on one hand how many times I've watched Price is Right with Drew Carey. And it's, is, that due to, is that due to him? Is that due to there not being a Bob Bunker? It's... it's is that due to just a change in your schedule from being in college to, to working? Well, okay, so confession time. I actually scheduled my classes around the prices right the first two Goodness years. Goodness Because uh, Bob Barker was retiring, so I wanted to watch as many episodes as I could. So um, it is in part because Bob Barker isn't doing it anymore, and it... I I get it. Like it's tough for Drew Carey to fill in the, to fill the shoes of a legend like Bob Barker. Yes, uh, I think you know some of the it's just it it's just lost some of it. It, it seems a little more wacky now. Um, it's just and yeah, part of it's the schedule and you know growing up having a, a you know a, a job and stuff and not really concerned with that um, with the prices right. But I I think it's. It's not so much him. Like, Drew Carey was fantastic at Whose Line Is It Anyway. 
I loved Who's Line. It was a great show. Uh, and Drew Carey was a fantastic host at that. I would watch him do that again. I wish he hadn't left. That it was that was such a great show. Um, it just to me, he's just a little. I think they've done it. It's a fine job. Like and, and at, uh, in the beginning, whenever there's a new host, it's a little weird. Mm-hmm. But then after a while, it's like, oh yeah, it's, this is normal now. And that's like when I, uh, Stephen Colbert took over for David Letterman sure. or whatever. Yep. Or yeah. any late night guy takes over for any other guy. It's like, right. oh yeah, this is weird. Or like Trevor uh, Noah taking over for John Stewart. Like, oh yeah, a couple of years you're like, you're yeah. sure. like, oh yeah, now this guy, this guy's no. Yep. It's kind of like Trevor Noah taking over for John Stewart on the Daily yeah. Show. Um, like, and, oh, it's not as good. And then a couple of years go by, you're like, yeah, this is fine. I, I do wonder, you know, when Pat Sajak retires, I wonder who's going to host Wheel of Fortune. Um, and like literally anybody, well, they, whoever doesn't get the Jeopardy job to do sure, this fucking okay. job. Aaron Rodgers. Um, Shit. Uh, Dan Levitard could host uh, Wheel of Fortune. Because Pat Sajak's come on highly questionable before, so um, yeah, I'm, just, I'm very curious to see where Jeopardy goes, and I'll be curious to see what happens, like with Wheel of Fortune and stuff, uh, once Sajak leaves. Pat McAfee, he's my pick. Oh, Pat McAfee would be good. I love Pat McAfee. He's, I, you know what? He's my pick though to take Corso's spot on College Game Day. Have you seen him wrestle? I know you haven't, but. Uh, no, he's I, gotten involved in wrestling, and he oh, is. Yes, I saw. I saw. He's, he's tremendous. He's he fucking can talk better than anybody. Yep. He's had a couple matches. Yep. He's exceptional for never having an actual match before. Mm-hmm. He's he's a fucking talent. I yes. tell you what. Yeah, he is. He's very like good. honest to Christ. Are we talking announcers and all that stuff? Yeah. If I'm ESPN, I'd. Are uh, talking? You know, I plopped out a couple million dollars for him, and I, not that it would take that much, and say, hey. Your Monday Night Football, because they've been looking for somebody. Mm-hmm. Dennis Miller and all these guys 20 years ago, they plug in Tony Kornheiser, it was good. But they're looking for that Howard Cosell type thing of, you're tuning into the game because of the announcer almost. Yep. I mean, yeah. for him, yeah. like I would do that to him. I would say, buddy, you're very good at this. You, you, you're, you're a punter, you know football, but I would say, Pat McAfee, you are going to be the face of my football package. I would be okay with that, but they still need the play-by-play guy. And I think that's sure. what I mean. They've tried to get Al Michaels. Now? They've tried to get Jim Nance. Uh, I mean, Sean McDonough was fine, uh, and then he said, I kind of want to go back to, to doing college football and stuff. So I don't know who... Honestly, I would take the White Sox guy, Mike Benetti. Is that his name? Jason Benetti. Jason, Benetti. Benetti. Jason Benetti's very, very good. Jason Benetti. Yes. Uh, I would take him. Jason Benetti, I would make him... He does baseball for ESPN. He does the yep. White Sox. He does college football and basketball. I think he's excellent. Yes, I agree. I would make him my voice of whatever baseball, football, whatever. I would have him be the football guy, and I would have him because he can play off of Bill Walton. I think they've done some games. He's yes, he can have. he can do good like that. He can be mm-hmm. serious. He can be funny. Mm-hmm. He does his job well. I'd take him and Pat McAfee for Monday Night Football. Wow, that's. Gotta tell you, that's a that's way out of left field, but I like it. I think I don't. I'm trying to think. Who's, 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 the, who's the one guy? Was it Mark Davis? Who? What the black guy? He's an announcer for ESPN. Mark Mark Jones. Mark Jones. He's yeah. been there for like 30 years. Like he's mm-hmm. been there surprisingly a long time. Yep. And he's he's good. He's fine. He does a good job. He's what? He's how old do you think Mark Jones is? Fifty-five. Fifty-nine. Okay. 
apparently he's the play-by-play guy for the Kings, Sacramento Kings. Oh, nice. He's been with ESPN since 1990. Wow. He's a Canadian. He's been with them for 30 years. And he's just kind of been a guy who's like, you know, number three, number four announcer guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Does some basketball, NBA here and there. But he's a guy that's been around forever. And he's he's not obviously going to be a prominent guy. But I would take Jason Benetti. I would make him. I think he's great. Uh, like even Dave Pash. He's got his Arizona oh. Cardinals stuff. But I think Dave Pash is also yeah. an excellent uh, Dave, guy. So And Dave Pash take, is uh, fantastic with Bill Walton. Like I watch yes, that. I don't watch period. that. I don't watch the game for the yep. two teams playing. I watch it to listen to the commentary. And that's what we're looking for. And that's probably the only case where that that's that's the situation we're like oh these two are doing the game i don't care if it's oregon state and whoever yeah oregon state and stanford i'm gonna at least turn the game on just to listen to what ridiculous stuff they're gonna say well so. just let me ask i mean yeah that, that so that's the you know the pat mcafee jason benetti would be a great combo what would you think about moving chris fowler and kirk herb street to monday night football like, yeah, I think we, when we talked about it a few months ago, I said, who are your best announcers? Or who are your most high-profile guys? And those are the two guys. What's your biggest thing you have? It's Monday Night Football. Put your best guys on your biggest thing. Like, that is not tough. And they did. The sure as fuck isn't what Steve Levy and Brian Greasy. Yeah. That sure as fuck isn't it. No. Your number three for Lewis college Riddick football is good. team. I like Lewis Riddick, but yeah. Um, he's good too. Steve Levy, he? well, and he's on the Monday Night Football deal. Uh, but I would say, yeah, uh, Brian uh, Greasy and Steve Levy are better on the college scene. Like, they're fine. Mm-hmm. They're fine. They're acceptable. They're fine. But it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, it's... you know, it's like we, we can do better than this. Honestly, what I would do if I, if truly, if I were ESPN. In charge? What? If I were in yep. charge, I'd make a run at Ian Eagle or Brian Anderson. Those would be the, sure. the guys from, from CBS. And I think Brian Anderson is fantastic. Uh, but I would, if I had to pick between one or the two to be the face of Monday Night Football, I'm taking the bird. I'm taking Ian Eagle. Yeah, and he's a guy I'm sure that... Um... He'd probably be the number one guy once Jim Nance says he's done. Mm-hmm. And Jim Nance is not young, but I don't see him hanging it up anytime soon. Right. He doesn't do basketball anymore, really outside of the final hour of the, of the tournament. Yep. And he, I guess he's younger than I thought. He was 61. So I think Jim Nance probably going to do this for another 10 years. So At least. At least. And how yeah, difficult so, was yeah, it? Brian, been... like, kind of like Mike Tirico. Yes. He, uh, Mike Tirico, he's at ESPN. Um, he left for NBC because of the Olympics. He's waiting in the wings for Al Michaels, who's probably about done here. Should call it quits in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Mike Creek is going to become the guy. So, yep, I, I would go with that. Jason Benetti, Pat McAfee. We can maybe do uh, once we're done with our NFL game schedule draft. We can do uh, an ultra draft. Yes. Oh, Chris. We, have, we have to. We have to pick a network. It'll matter. Jake three, yep. four networks, yep. and assume they have all the sports. Let's say they have football, mm-hmm. basketball, baseball, and hockey. Yes. And you have a draft, and, and let's say college football and college basketball. Let's make it six. And let's say you, you have to fill it out. You need a play-by-play guy. You have a analyst. Yep, and a sideline reporter. And maybe three or four of them. Yes, yep. 
Three or four of them, maybe. If, if you don't want one for a certain sport, you don't have to have one. Have you, but you've got, say, like 15 or 16 picks to make, and mm-hmm. whatever, if you want to, whatever. All announcers are out there. You can pick whoever you want. That'd be fun. Have you ever I, – I totally agree, and I'm down with that uh, along with the, the schedule thing. I think that would be fantastic. Um, have you ever listened to Kenny Albert call hockey? Yes, he's good. He's very good. Uh, I think he's – He's good football, you know, at calling you know games on Fox too. Um, but I I've grown more appreciative of Kenny Albert after listening to him do hockey. He's very very good at it. Yeah, he's very good. So I want to do that. Maybe we should probably have a sports lounge maybe this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe get that up and going since things are a bit calmer. Yep, basketball's done. NFL draft's coming up. Yep. So we could maybe have have some more of those coming up. I yes, think. I I love the idea. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I you know what? It, it really didn't dawn on me how many of these announcers have like additional play by play roles with other teams. Yeah. Or like you know with pro teams. So obviously they're. Well, given all of the ESPN or TNT or you know whatever games that they have to. Call as well. I bet they only do maybe like sixty percent of the of their home teams' games, uh, if that's fair to say. But like Ian Eagle calls games for the Brooklyn Nets. Brian Anderson calls baseball for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Benetti does um, the Chicago White Sox, and I can't remember. Who, I, I just saw someone who calls the the Bulls games. Uh, oh, Ad, Adam, is it Adam Amin? Yep. Yeah, Adam Amin yep. does. Bulls games. Um, I was I was watching Brewers Cubs today. Do you know uh, he's an ESPN guy? Do you know who does the Cubs games on TV now? Um, oh, like for for their for their regional the, channel? Yeah. Um, you know who does the Cubs TV games? Very uh, good announcer. Um, the, the another play- guy that doesn't get a lot of. The, the, publicity, but I would maybe make him a baseball guy for me. The the ba- the the play by play guy. You're saying. Yeah. Ooh. He does basketball. This college basketball does a lot of baseball. But I, it's doing, not Dan Shulman, is it? Uh, John Shomby. Oh, Book Shomby. Okay, all right. He does. He does. He's the new Cubs TV guy because the old Cubs TV guy, Len Casper, who was good, he now okay. does White Sox radio. Oh, interesting. Well, and doesn't Steve Berthume from ESPN Sports Center anchor? Uh, uh, do Arizona Diamondbacks games yeah. still? Yeah, I believe he still does that. So yeah, yeah. If it, and Gary Thorne, I think Gary Thorne's done it with Baltimore. I don't know where he's at, but uh, yep. I'm sure he's about ready, Gary, for retirement. I bet. No, I bet. bet uh, gearing up, he's gearing up for NHL on ESPN. Are you sure about that? I I hope so. Him and Bill Clement just get the old band back together, even for one year. Just the nostalgia. It's just like one shiny moment, Crins, to wrap it all up. Here, it's the nostalgic, the, 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 the you know, just reminiscing down memory lane with these guys. So very good. Gary Thorne. He's 72, so he, I don't think he does anything. Yeah, he's, he might still do Baltimore games, so. Yep, I think he still does. He, uh, let's see. I think he's out. So, yeah, he's 72. He's out. Who's the other guy? Bill Clement. Bill Clement, yeah. Uh, Darren Chris, Payne. I don't want to see. He's, he's 70 as well. 
Bill Seaman does Flyers that. games. Uh, does Flyers. Yep, and Darren Pang, I believe, does for the works for the Blues. Oh man, get them together. Get the old band back together. Tell you what, we Very just spent a half hour or roughly there, maybe twenty minutes or so talking. Game show announcers and then NFL. This is great. I mean, I'm sure the audience is like, hey, so like, why don't you talk about sports? This is sports, folks. This, this is definitely right This is sports. This is great. Very good stuff. Uh, do we have anything else that we need to get to? SSU football can never play again because their opponents always have COVID. So that is it's so stupid to play the spring season anyway. Just cancel it all. It's just dumb. So they got the Bison next week, and then playoffs after that, and we'll see what happens. And I think there's, what, maybe five Missouri Valley teams still playing? Western Illinois called it quits, which now ends USD season, which USD may not have been ready anyway. Mm -hmm. But uh, what a disaster. What a disaster this whole thing's been. Mm -hmm. And uh, was it unforeseen? Nope. It's like, just get ready for fall. It's like like almost every sport has been fine, you know, baseball, bat, like almost all the sports have gotten through their seasons. Mm-hmm. This seems like the one sport that just has not. But I don't know if it's because there's just not enough money involved to where it's like we have to play these games, to where it was like we have to have college football because there's so much money in this. Well, there's, there's just no money in FCS. So it's like if we play it, we do. If we don't, whatever. This seems like it's been the only sport that has just had the most trouble. The FCS football, or are you saying college football in total? Like FCS football. FBS was fine. They had the problems, but they just powered through it. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't, we didn't, we haven't heard of many other, there were, you know, a few teams that said, we're done for the season. What Duke women said they were done. There were a few teams here and there that said, yeah, we're done for the year. But it's been nothing like it's been with with FCS. Right. There's been. Dozens and dozens of teams saying, "Yeah, we're done." Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Uh, again, I just thought it was dumb to even begin with. Just, just get focused for fall. Like, it's really all you want to do. But, anywho, with that being said, I think we're done here. Anything else we need to get to? Should be good. Got a lot of baseball we get to, so that's that's good. Yes. Keeping track of my four fantasy teams. Uh, we're doing well with that, so. And you still, it's just in the uh, guillotine league, do you still have yes. one week left? Like yeah, you, I think we're done. Oh, uh, it might be two weeks, so I don't know when it ends, but are you yeah, and it does reset every week or every two weeks. So we're doing good with that. You've got $1,000 to spend on free agents. And, of course, when one team is done, their players become free agents. So the team that was in last place, they're not in last anymore. They had Blake Snell and Clayton Kershaw on their team. Hmm. So, who, I mean, whoever is outed after the first week, they're going to have at least a couple superstars probably on their team. Right. I'm thinking, like, is is two or $300 too much to bid on these guys? Because you know. can't. How much do you, you have? You can't. $1,000. Oh. And the waiver wire, I'm not interested in that. And you can't make daily changes to your lineup. You have to set it, and that's what your lineup is for two weeks. So... And my offense, I no changes with my offense. My offense is good. I need some pitching help. So if I get Kershaw and Blake Snell for, let's say I do 300 for Kershaw and 200 for Blake Snell, that's probably way overpaying for them. I don't know what uh, what the going rate would be. If 50 bucks, if 100 would be enough, that'd be nice. 
but uh, I kind of want to be assured of getting these guys. So I might go big here with that first uh, first uh, round of waiver pickups and see what happens. Do it and avoid the and avoid the guillotine. Because <laughs> what? I mean, yeah. Because once you are getting down there, you know, to just uh, even to ten teams, like everybody's lineup is going to be stacked mm-hmm. with you know with guys. If it's only ten teams left, like everybody's going to have. And we're getting down, you know, we get down to four or five teams. Like every team's going to be just loaded. Right, right. So yeah, may as well have the best players while you can get them. <clears throat> so you know, like imagine an NFL fantasy league with five teams or four teams. I that's you know, everybody's got an amazing player. Would be ridiculous, no doubt. Yeah, there's like you, there'd be four or five quarterbacks. It'd be Watson and Mahomes and. Dak Prescott and whoever else. I mean, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers. Those are your quarterbacks. Yep. Ridiculous. So. Ridiculous. Well, my friend, uh, enjoy the rest of the rainy, rainy weather that's uh, yes. coming your way or that you're getting this week. And uh, temperature's a little bit cooler. But uh, have a, enjoy the baseball, and we'll chat next week. All right. I'll see you later. Travis Crins joining me here, Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. Uh, doing this podcast, a lot of good stuff here. Baseball talk, uh, of course, Final Four championship game, and uh, surprisingly a m- large amount of time talking about announcers and game show hosts. That's what you love about this. It's great. It's great. Next week, uh, we're really getting into the NFL draft next week. Jeff Lloyd, uh, from second from the Lockdown Browns podcast, will ho- uh, should be here with us to talk probably offense and then defense the following week, and then the, his mock draft. Three, so three. We're gonna hit him on like four straight weeks here because we gotta get the recap of everything as well. And we always appreciate his time. So looking forward to that. But uh, baseball and NFL draft. That's what's coming up here over the next month here on the Sports Block Podcast. You can find this podcast available on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at NDStack and Facebook Nathan Stack and Travis Krenz is on Twitter at Travis Krenz. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the NCAA tournament. Um, it was great. Wish Gonzaga would have won. Um, but now we turn the page. We look forward to the Masters this week. And I'm going John Rahm. Colin Morikawa for Travis Krins. And, uh, yeah, we'll react to that. We'll talk baseball next week. And, again, plenty of NFL draft. Well, you know what? I got to get this in quick. Frozen Four this week is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Semifinals Thursday championship on, I thought it was on Saturday. Maybe it's on Tuesday. Either way, three schools from the state of Minnesota are in the Frozen Four. St. Cloud State. Minnesota uh, making their second ever Frozen Four. Minnesota State in Mankato, the fighting Adam Thielens. Also, Brad Nessler apparently went to school. Brad Nessler, uh, CBS Sports, does the SEC on CBS for football. Used to work at ESPN. Anyway, uh, they are in the Frozen Four, I think, for the first time ever. And UMD, Minnesota Duluth, making it for the fourth straight time, fourth straight season here in the Frozen Four. The lone outsider is UMass. Minnesota Duluth plays UMass. St. Cloud State plays Minnesota State. That is a huge rivalry game. I mean, this goes back to the day. I can't remember the conference name because they keep changing it so frequently. But these schools know each other. They know each other very well. That game is at 4 o'clock. That's on ESPN2. I'm going to go with St. Cloud State here. In part because I, I live in St. Cloud now. So I have to cheer. My wife works 
for the university, so I would be crazy not to, which would be a great game. I'm going to go with St. Cloud State. And the other game, Minnesota-Duluth. I mean, UMass is good. I just think uh, UMD is better. They won that uh, five-overtime thriller in the Fargo region in the in the, the playoffs earlier against North Dakota a thrilling game I'm gonna take UMD to win that game and apparently you know whenever the championship game is this normally it's on Saturday but it's purposes on Tuesday April 13th either way regardless of when the championship goes as much as I want I ah, do I take St. Cloud State or do I take UMD I gotta go with Minnesota Duluth I think I'm gonna take UMD to win it all, but should be a great Frozen Four. So, bonus material there. Catch it all. ESPN two. Of course, you have the Masters going on in ESPN, and then CBS on the weekend. But uh, check out these games. So, very good right there. So again, Saint Cloud State against Minnesota State semifinal at four o'clock Central Time on ESPN two, five o'clock Eastern, and then Minnesota Duluth against UMass nine p.m. Eastern, eight p.m. Central Time on ESPN two from Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania. So enjoy the Frozen Four. We just got done with the Final Four in men's basketball and women's basketball. It's the Frozen Four now for men's hockey. So enjoy it. We'll we'll try and remember to talk about it right away. Well, at least in part in normal podcast next week rather than have bonus material, which doesn't happen very often. Every once in a while it does. So have a great week. Podcast can be found again podcast.com, Facebook Nathan Sacken, Twitter at ND Sacken. Travis Krins is on Twitter, at Travis Krins. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Next week, lots of baseball talk, lots of draft talk. Travis and Jeff Lloyd will join me. So definitely tune in for that. Have a great week. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week on the Sports Block Podcast.